Today, we'll talk about the validity of personal experience, tradition, observation, clinical experimentation, systematic reviews, and other forms of scholarly research to give you a better understanding of how reliable the various claims you may hear on a day-to-day -day basis really are. In other words, this video is that so when you ask a friend or family member to cite their damn sources, you know if they are making stuff up or if they're actually telling the truth. Welcome to Health or Hoax, the show that empowers people to make informed choices about their own health by taking a critical look at the research on popular healthcare claims. Everything in this show is meant to inspire critical thinking rather than pretend that we have the one and only valid perspective. We are healthcare students on a journey for truth, looking to make it easier for you to understand if the fads, diets, and treatments you've been sold are health or hoax. Here we go. In today's episode, we will talk about the different kinds of evidence people use to in an attempt to either support or refute an idea. Not all evidence is equally valid. Most people rely on anecdote, which due to its power of drawing us in emotionally, tends to make us feel that the evidence is much more reliable than it actually is. This is due to cognitive bias, which we will discuss in another video. However, there are all kinds of evidence we can use to know and understand the world we live in. First, let's talk about the value of people's opinions. Obviously, people's opinions matter in certain contexts. But when we are trying to determine objective truths about the world, frankly, your opinion doesn't matter. If you look around, you might form the opinion that the Earth is flat. But the Earth is not flat, and your opinion doesn't change that. In the same way, your opinion that since this winter is cold and last winter was really cold, that climate change doesn't exist, your opinion is not relevant in the face of the vast amount of research we have on climate change. These scientists have dedicated their entire life and hours upon hours of study to this topic of trying to figure out, is the earth getting warmer? And you looking outside and saying, oh, it's, it's still cold. It doesn't hold any weight. Your opinion does not stack up against the conclusions of the leading experts in the field of climate change. The most common type of evidence that people use in their day-to-day -day life is experiential. Basically, people's often unfounded and possibly uneducated opinions. This includes personal experience, word of mouth, social media, blogs, the news, and oftentimes tradition. Within this category of evidence, there is a spectrum of reliability, with well-trained journalists on the news being more reliable than hearing a random story about your buddy's, uncle's, doctor's, former roommate. However, the accuracy of a claim made relying on any of the previously mentioned outlets should be treated with healthy skepticism for the following reasons. Your personal experience can rarely be generalized to the entire public. Secondhand stories usually are missing important information. News media is notoriously biased. Anybody can post anything on Facebook, Wikipedia, or a blog. And much of what humans have believed throughout our history has been found to be wrong. 
It is frustrating that we can't take all information at face value, but fortunately, there are scholarly journals that have a high standard of publication and are generally trustworthy sources. For the purpose of this video, we will talk about journals as a single entity, but we recognize that there are many types of journals with varying levels of academic rigor. So far, none of the types of evidence we have discussed are considered academic resources. They have no set standards and are essentially ignored by scientists because they are extremely susceptible to bias. Let's talk about academic journals. They're awesome. If you need evidence for stuff, please look at these sources. Randomized control trials, also called RCTs, try to establish a causal relationship between two things. RCTs are often considered the gold standard of research. They have earned this title through the use of control groups, blinding, and randomization. For example, let's say the Avengers are afraid that Earth is gonna get attacked again. Getting half of the population wiped out is kind of traumatic. In order to bolster Earth's defenses, they wanna create an army of hulks. Sounds like a great idea. Thanks, other me. You're welcome, first me. So, they decide to blast a bunch of people with the same gamma rays that turned Bruce Banner into the Hulk because that'll make a million more hulks, right? Maybe. It sounds like a great idea, but before we fire a bunch of gamma rays at a million normal people and accidentally create a bunch of scary half monster things that want us to put them out of their misery, we decide to do an RCT to figure out if the gamma rays are actually going to produce the hulking monsters that we want or a bunch of unfortunate victims. So the Avengers take 50 males and 50 females and randomly assign them to two groups. Then they blast them with a bunch of gamma rays. However, both the participants and the interns doing the um, testing don't know which group is getting hit with gamma rays and which group is getting hit with nothing. The lead researchers are then going to compare the results of the control group with the results of the experimental group. And if all the people in the experimental group turn into giant green monsters that want to smash things and all the people in the control group are fine, then we know that we can make our army of hulks and the earth will be safe. And it's all thanks to the power of randomized control trials. The next type of evidence comes from observation. Basically, there's no experiment. You just sit back and observe and see what kind of connections you notice. Heads up, this can be unreliable because the human brain is so good at seeing patterns everywhere, even when there aren't any patterns, kind of like vaccines and autism. Observational research comes in many flavors. Case studies look at an isolated incident, cross-sectional studies are very similar to surveys, and case control studies look at a group of people who have already developed some outcome of interest. All subsets of observational studies look at people in real life settings, lacking intervention by researchers, and they may or may not have a control group. It can be great to look at real world scenarios, since they may be more relatable than RCTs that are often done in a very sterile controlled laboratory environment. That said, the biggest downfall is that observational studies cannot establish cause and effect relationships, but they can answer questions that RCTs just can't. For example, if our Avengers from our last example want to know what makes a person more likely to become a supervillain, 
they would not want to do an RCT. It would be expensive, really dangerous, and frankly, extremely unethical to turn people into supervillains. Instead, the Avengers would do a case control study, during which they would collect a bunch of data from the lives of all the known supervillains, and then they'd look at the common variables. If there's something in common between all the supervillains, like a tragic childhood, unfortunate injury, or some sort of mental condition, then we would know that this seems to be correlated with people becoming supervillains. But correlation does not equal causation. From this study, we could guess that reducing worldwide rates of child abuse may reduce the rates of supervillainy, but it's still a guess. An observational study simply cannot determine cause and effect. I like Thanos, he has, a, he has, he has cool powers. He does have cool powers. He can like snap his fingers and stuff. Now let's talk about summary research, which is generally considered to be the most reliable type of research. Evidence-based textbooks are a type of summary research. Notice I called them evidence-based textbooks. Just because something is written in a really big book doesn't mean it's based on good evidence. For example, there are textbooks in some states that teach that evolution never happened, which is contradictory to all of the scientific evidence. But that's a topic for another show. The point is that you should look for textbooks published in reputable organizations like Walter's Walter's Cloyer? Who's Walter? El or El Sever. Go back, there's no way you're gonna salvage that. You should look for textbooks that are published by reputable organizations like Walter's Cloyer or elsewhere. Evidence-based textbooks are great, but they become out of date really fast. In our experience, evidence-based textbooks are really good resources for things like biology, chemistry, and physics. Really like big topics that just, they're not gonna change. But for stuff like nutrition, rehabilitation, and kind of more clinical topics that change really, really fast and really often, evidence-based textbooks are gonna become out of date really quickly. So you're gonna to wanna to search for other kinds of resources. A meta-analysis, systematic reviews, and guidelines are all examples of top-tier research, which is typically held in the greatest respect and whose findings carry the greatest weight in scientific communities. In other words, their conclusions are more likely, not guaranteed, but more likely to be true than any other type of research or any other type of evidence for that matter. A systematic review is a way to look at all 100% of the research on a given topic by collecting every single published article that fits into a given criteria. Like if you wanted to review the research to answer the question, does running increase the likelihood of knee osteoarthritis? You might come up with some article about running and knee injuries that aren't directly related to osteoarthritis. You may find stuff about running and meniscus tears, running and ligament tears, running and a bunch of other irrelevant stuff. So you'd set a filter on what you include in the data so that every single study included in your systematic review is directly answering the question of how does running relate to osteoarthritis. That's great, but it's just a collection of a ton of papers. What does all of this information mean? That's where a meta-analysis comes in. A meta-analysis is just a way to summarize 
all the studies that were just collected in the systematic review. It is a quick way to say, great, there were a thousand studies on running and knee osteoarthritis, and most of them concluded that running does not cause knee osteoarthritis. Note, these statistics are totally made up and are not from an actual meta-analysis or systematic review. Another type of summary research is practice guidelines. Generally speaking, guidelines help summarize research on a topic or condition so practitioners know what treatment is going to be most effective based on the current research. Today, we learned that all sources are not created equal, that most people rely on experiential, aka anecdotal evidence to support their views, which is still technically evidence, but is the least reliable form of evidence. We also learned that scholarly journals contain the best types of evidence, such as RCTs, observational studies, evidence-based textbooks, guidelines, meta-analyses, and systematic reviews. RCTs are the best tool we know for establishing causation. Observational studies can't establish causation, but are useful for answering questions too complex, expensive, or unethical for RCTs to explore. Evidence-based textbooks, guidelines, meta-analyses, and systematic reviews look at the totality of information gathered through other RCTs and observational research. They produce the most reliable conclusions we can make. If you want to know things about stuff that science can answer, go to these research articles. You should be very skeptical of anything else. Actually, also be skeptical of these articles sometimes too, but we're gonna make another video on that, so watch our video on how to spot bad research. Uh, please subscribe, hit the bell icon, leave a like, and comment below with your stories about a time one of your friends or colleagues gave you some bad research or any of your frustration with how difficult it is to know if somebody's actually telling you the truth or if what they're saying is bullshit. Thanks for joining us this time on Health or Hoax.